let's turn uh, together in our copies of God's Word to the Gospel of John. Uh, if you're visiting, uh, we started in chapter 1, verse 1. We've been camped out here for a good while, and here we are in chapter 14 of the Gospel of John. And uh, this is God's Word, John 14, verse 12. We just examine one verse together uh, today. Jesus speaking. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. And let's pray one more time. Father, um, may the truth be spoken and received here today in Jesus' name, amen. Well, most of you probably know that uh, nine and a half weeks ago, I had uh, shoulder surgery. I had arthroscopic uh, shoulder surgery, and uh, so I've got four holes and a cut about this big right here. So I had a full tear, a high-grade tear, a low-grade tear, and a bicep tear. Um, so I got, I got fixed up and everything, and uh, I got these high-resolution color pictures of the surgery, three pages of uh, like a dozen photo- photos, and they're so clear and so uh, high-resolution the resolution is so high, you can read the manufacturer names on the like tools that the doctor's using. It's pretty cool. And uh, since then, I've watched this, uh, the surgery, <coughs> not my own surgery, but I've watched uh, a surgery online, the same thing, and it's just fascinating. And um, it's basically, when you get down to it, uh, a video game. So the doctor's operating... And when they poke the holes in there and everything, and they pump this clear fluid in there and, and all that, uh, it's not like his hands are in there with scalpels and, and all this stuff. He's using these little tiny things, and I think it's probably joysticks, you know? It's a video game, and he's doing this surgery on you. And uh, basically, the surgeon is doing the work, but he's doing it uh, through the use of faithfully responding tools, I mean, they feel his every nuance, and he's controlling what happens, and he's taking this little thing going, meow, 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 shaving off arthritis, and he cut a little piece of my collarbone off while he was in there, and uh, sewed up stuff, and he's using these uh, precisely, faithfully responding tools, and so they're being directed uh, with precision to a very faithful outcome, all right? I start that way because it's a very good illustration uh, to uh, show our, our main point, which is this, the ministry of Jesus uh, through you is impacting the world. In short, Jesus is the boss, and uh, as the boss and as the head of the church, uh, he is continuing his earthly ministry through you, redeemed person. You are the faithfully responding tool that our Savior is using to continue His work here on this earth. So let's go to our first point together, which is this, uh, getting the definition right. So here we are again, camping out uh, for a whole week here in verse 12. Jesus says here, Truly, truly, I say to you, uh, whoever believes in me will also do the works 
that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Now, I think the first question we have to ask when we look at that is, what does he mean uh, by works? What is a work? I mean, that's what he's saying. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works even. What, what, is, what is he talking about uh, when he uses the word work? Um, well, some folks um, over the years, uh, the most notable of those would probably be A.W. Pink. A lot of people have heard of A.W. Pink. Um, and other scholars have thought, well, you know, and, and at first glance, too, we read that and we go, okay, um, he probably means miracles, you know? Uh, you, you believe in me and you're going to do some miracles and uh, greater miracles uh, and, and so on. And so that's, that's what some people think is that Jesus is referring to uh, miracles here, that uh, he's going to use his people to continue uh, these amazing things that he was able to do. I do not think that is a correct uh, uh, interpretation of this. Uh, first of all, John, the gospel writer, as you've heard me say many, many times, uh, whenever he w- w- refers to, and it's exclusive to John, whenever he refers to miracles, what, use, what word does he tend to use? What word does he use? Signs. He doesn't, he doesn't use the words miracles. When Jesus does something miraculous, he calls it a sign. And basically, the reason he does that is because his emphasis is so heavily on the divinity of Jesus. It is a sign of Jesus as divine, all right? So he never calls it a, a miracle. He never says works or work. He says sign. And so that's one thing that uh, could, could tip us off. I think if Jesus meant to say miracles, he would, he would have said miracles, and John would have not wanted to confuse the readers uh, so likely um, he would have recorded something like this. If Jesus um, uh, really meant miracles, uh, John probably would have said something like, this is a paraphrase, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the signs that I do. I mean, wouldn't that seem to be more clear coming from Jesus? Uh, there's another problem with A.W. Pink's view, and that is this. It's a big problem. Um, it would be a promise by Jesus that never comes true. Um, now, hear me carefully. I am not saying that God doesn't work miraculously. In fact, you could even argue that every time somebody comes to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, it's miraculous. You could argue that every time we do something that pleases God is miraculous because it doesn't come from our own you know, initiative, our jumping across the finish line like that guy. Uh, it, it, it comes because God has been gracious enough to us to save us and provide a way unto himself and a means by which we can operate in this life in uh, His grace by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, so it, Jesus never says, whoever believes in me will do all the miracles. Um, and He never says, uh, and, and think about it too. Um, does God um, answer prayer? Yes. Does He influence our lives? Of course. Um, does He influence our lives by healing? Yeah, by um, hearing Yes, by changing things, by destroying things, by building things. He, he uses His divine means in our temporal realm. That is what the word supernatural means. So God is supernaturally involved all the time. But friends, I don't recall anybody walking on water, do you? I mean, Jesus was able to do that. I don't, I don't know of anybody being able to calm down uh, winds and a big terrible tempest, and big giant crashing waves simply by speaking to creation. Do you? 
You recall anybody doing that? All I remember is Jesus doing that. So if he's saying, uh, you're going to do miracles that are greater than mine, well, that's a pretty hard one to top. How about raising Lazarus from the dead? Um, You know, uh, the apostle Paul uh, raised a kid from the dead. Remember that in Acts, uh, I can't remember the chapter, 17 or so, Um, 12, I think 12, I can't remember. But you remember the kids in the window? And Paul is preaching, and uh, this kid get, kid's kind of sleepy, and he falls out of the window and dies. And they come in, and they bring his dead body in, and Paul says, oh, he's not dead. And he lays on top of him, and the kid becomes alive. Uh, well, Paul does that, but it's not a four-day-old body that's already in de- decomposition and wrapped up in uh, uh, death cloths and, and known to everyone. Um, so even, even Paul's raising of the dead was not greater than Jesus. So if, if Jesus really meant that, then it's a thing that didn't, um, it didn't come true. Now, here's another thing. It's also true that signs and wonders, all right, um, were part of the apostolic age and show apostolic authority. And here's what I mean by all that. You know, in Hebrews 2, it says this, um, such a great salvation was declared first by our Lord... And was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. In other words, the work of Christ continued through His apostles, and that work was validated through supernatural um, use of them. So yes, uh, uh, Jesus' apostles actually were granted... um, certain powers to do certain things that were miraculous uh, by nature. Now, but here are two responses for you. I am a a cessationist. Do you know what that is? Um, People go, well, gosh, you know, uh, I mean, are there there miracles today? Uh, Well, of course, God works works miraculously. But I mean, am I, uh, as a Bible handler, you know, I work at a church, so, you know, I get paid by the church. Am I um, in, the, in the miracle business? Am I able to do that kind of stuff these days as anybody? Or how about this? When you hear, you've heard me warn against this a million times, when you hear uh, TV preachers go, wait a second, I got a prophecy from the Lord here. Oh, yes, look, this is fresh and new. New information is now streaming in uh, to my, you know, in-touch heart, and I'm now going to say it to you, you know, and, it's, and pretty much it's just as good as this, too, because it's new prophecy, Guys, I'm a cessationist. Um, In my view, anybody sane is a cessationist, meaning that there was an apostolic age. There was a time when those things were necessary. You know when the time closed on that? When the canon of the Bible closed. No more prophetic voices needed. We have the Bible. Now what God does is the, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, takes the truth of God's Word and applies it to our hearts and thus changes us, okay? We have that now, and so I'm a cessationist. With the canon being closed, the apostolic age is closed, and that's why uh, I don't believe that there are any more miraculous things needed like in the apostolic age or speaking in tongues and so on. Um, I think that apostolic age is closed, all right? But there's also an easier answer as to what Jesus means in... um, in, uh, in uh, John, uh, John 14, 12, he says uh, this, Truly, truly, I say to you, 
Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Whoever believes in me. And by the way, there's a truly, truly in front of that, whoever believes in me. Um, have, you ever heard, uh, have you ever healed a person of their blindness, ladies and gentlemen? You ever done that? Somebody's blind and you say, well, hold on a second. Let me go ahead and heal your blindness. Um, well, um, you, you, you couldn't eradicate cancer in that person. You couldn't. Somebody had cancer and you said, let me, let me go ahead and take care of your cancer for you. I'm just going to believe as hard as I can, and I'm going to get that cancer taken care of for you. Is that what this verse means? Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. If you interpret that wrong, basically, you could, you could walk away going, well, gosh, if I don't believe hard enough, I won't have the juju required to do these miraculous things. And I, I'm looking at my life, and I've never really cured can- cancer in anybody, so I guess I haven't believed enough. You see what a cruel theology that is? What an inaccurate thing that is? You know, Tammy's mom, when she lived with us, I think a lot of you know that um, you, this is years ago, but she spent her, the last three year, years of her life living with us. She had Parkinson's, and she was like a 90-pound little tiny thing. And uh, you know, she, she was a wonderful woman, a godly woman. She just left reams of, of journals, and, and, and uh, she just was a, you, you knew her, Sherry. She was your librarian growing up, and uh, she was a, just a wonderful, godly woman. But I will say, she got tangled up with this bunch of little weirdo buddies. Um, she had this little group of these weirdo ladies that would come over, and it was kind of uh, word of faith-ish and stuff like that, and, and just some crummy theology. Um, and she had this box of books, and one of those books that it just was heartbreaking. In her, she had a bedroom and a sitting room, kind of a little living room thing, and then she had the rest of the house too. But she had her own like little area to live in, and she had this book toward the end when the when the part, I mean, when the Parkinson's was really bothering her, and her swallowing was changing, and it was just difficult, and she got was getting weaker. She had this book that said something like the title was something like, you know, heal your illness. Uh, by uh, increasing your faith or something like that. It was this title, and I, I just remember going, what a cruel thing that is. So she's sick because she doesn't believe hard enough. And so she's looking at her trembling hand and the book in her trembling hand and her eyes that are failing her where she can't even read anymore, and she's thinking, I just got to believe harder, and that will take care of this thing. Well, you know, at a certain point uh, when her Parkinson's progressed, that, that book got put down, and you know what she was clinging to? Uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for thee. That's our reality. Uh, you know, Jesus did not say here, whoever, uh, whoever has enough faith will do greater works than me. He never says that. He's not like, strain it out now. Whoever has got enough faith will do great works. Neither is he alluding to some kind of a special elite class of Christians, you know, some people that just get it and have deeper faith and are able to accomplish these mighty acts. Um, he says, whoever believes in me. Friend, do you believe in Jesus? Are you a Christian? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior personally? Have you? Are you a believer? Do you believe in Him? That's who He's talking about. Whoever believes in me. He's saying, all saints will do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do. 
He's referring to you. He's referring to all believers. Now, there's one last question we have to ask before we apply this to our lives. What, is it, what does he mean by greater? You're going to do works that Jesus did, and they're going to be even greater works. What, what could that possibly mean, greater? Well, um, does it mean exploding stuff? You know, fireworks in the sky? Does it mean um, world-shaking evangelism movements? Does it mean levitation? You know, greater works? Are we going to be able to levitate? Uh, time travel? Are we going to be able to do time travel? Is that what that means? Greater works of Jesus? What is great and who defines it? Well, God, who looks on the heart, defines what He thinks is great. Um, and if you would flip really quickly to the uh, Gospel of Luke, let's uh, go left a little bit. Um, Luke chapter 10. I do, I love this. Luke chapter 10, um, verse 1. So this is in Luke's gospel, and it says, uh, after this, uh, the Lord, that's Jesus, appointed 72 people and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, in every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, you'll recognize this, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Wow. So Jesus sends out 72 people, and uh, he, they're going to go minister. And this is in, the, this is in the, the, the Gospel of Luke. I wonder what happens. Well, skip ahead to verse 17. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over the power of, all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Wow, pretty exciting stuff. Verse 20, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Uh, friends, I think that that is what God thinks is great. I think that's what Jesus is talking about here. Um, uh, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do works that I do, and greater works than these will he do. All right. Apply this to your lives. Let's apply it to your lives. Um, let, me, let me show you a couple things on the screens here, okay? Let me show you a couple things on the screen. Uh, this is from 1 Corinthians 3. It says this, Paul is writing this, the Apostle Paul, he's an apostle. He says, uh, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled uh, master builder, I, I'm an apostle, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Now, what he's talking about, you know, he's just said, oh, well, you know, somebody plants and somebody waters and don't, don't follow just teachers. I mean, we're all building upon uh, things and we're, we're all working for the sake of the kingdom, all right? So he's like, I'm an apostle and uh, we're working and somebody's watering, somebody's planting and so on. And then the last line says, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, the apostles and prophets are the foundation. Uh, Jesus Christ is a chief cornerstone. And at the same time, no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You know, a cornerstone, we have a cornerstone over here. If you come in the front offices, we have a cornerstone. 
I think when we think of a cornerstone, we think of a decoration. Oh, we have a cornerstone, you know, like on the school or the municipality building, we have a cornerstone. It's a really pretty decoration. That's, you know, that's not a cornerstone. Uh, anybody ever laid tile? There's a tile. There's one tile by which everything is measured. Like there's one, you, you got to get the first one right or you goof up the whole thing. And so it is with construction. Uh, you have to have the thing by which all things are measured. Um, and so uh, I was talking about this with, uh, with Chris Luke, and I just loved um, what, what he said. We were, we were marveling over this, and he goes, he goes Acts 2. Acts 2, man. Acts 2. What happened in Acts 2? Does anybody What happened in Acts 2? Pentecost. Uh, what else happens in Acts 2? Peter preaches. Big First big sermon. Uh, what's the result of that first big sermon? It's also in Acts 2. What happens? Three, huh? 3,000 people come to Christ. It's pretty awesome. Um, and the, in the last part of chapter 2, the church is um, together and devoted to service and unity and love. My point in all that is this. The ministry of Jesus Christ, I'm on the second point now, but the ministry of Jesus through you is impacting the world. That's the point. When Jesus says, um, you're going to do the works uh, that, I, that I do and even greater works, he's talking to believers, all saints, and the, the great works are not snazzy fireworks, uh, you know, skywriting, uh, crash and boom, exciting miracles. What's happening is the saints are building and building and building and some water and some plant, and God is bringing it all about to fruition. But the point is that Jesus' earthly ministry continues um, in this life. Uh, Jesus is not just um, a spectator cheering you on like granny at the track meet. But Jesus is like the surgeon that has these high-level tools, and he's working these tools with faithful precision to accomplish what he wants to accomplish, which is to fill up the Lamb's book of life. And so the idea here is this. Jesus is saying, if you believe in me, if you're a saint, guess what? The king is using his subjects to win souls to himself. It is the Lord Christ doing the work of his people um, through his people by the power of the Holy Spirit whom he sent. That's the idea of this. I hope I explained that carefully enough. All right. Oh, so let's, uh, we're on our second point here, which is this. How to do it. How do we do it? I mean, it would be nice to know, right? How do we do it? If the gospel work that is spoken of here, excuse me, the, if the work that's spoken of here is gospel work, if it's kingdom work, if it's life-giving work that's supposed to be accomplished, then how do we do that? Um, you know, I think everybody goes, um, I want to serve Jesus. I want to serve Him, but, how, you know, how do I do that? How do I go about doing it? What are some steps? I would like some steps as to how to serve Jesus. Well, you know, guys, um, preachers, myself included, uh, have railed against uh, the idea of steps, you know, a checklist for Christianity over the years. You know, you've heard me talk about that, how Christians want, I want five steps to be closer to God. If I just had five steps, then I would just do those steps. And, and uh, about every several years, uh, some new book comes out, and it's like, how to get close to God. You know, people have missed the point for 2,000 years, but this book, 
We'll give you eight steps. It's just everybody's overlooked it for all these thousands of years. Uh, but this book, you buy it because it'll get you closer to God. And so uh, we have, I have railed against steps and steps and checklists and all that stuff. But you know what, guys? Um, don't judge too quickly because the Bible seems to give us uh, some great steps here in this passage, some stuff to follow um, that's really applicable. So if you want a list you know, uh, that, that's good, let's take it from the Bible if there's one in there. So let's look at it together. Verse 12 again, uh, truly, truly, I, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Wh- wh- whoever believes in me. What's, what's, a, what's a word that, that, uh, that summarizes that? What, what is, what's one word? What believes in me? What, what's a good word for that? Faith. Yeah, faith. So if we want to be uh, serving God, if we want to be carrying out the will of this Christ, one of the things we need on our checklist is faith. Believe what He says. Believe the promises that He's made. Believe that God is working all things together for good. Believe that uh, God will not leave you abandoned as orphans. Believe that God is in charge. Believe that Christ is the ruler and the king and is still working and living and carrying out his minister ministry. Believe. Faith is the first thing on our little list here. It's a pretty nice little step for you. Um, let's draw in the next uh, few verses too. We're going to borrow from uh, the, the next time we're together. Um, Verse 13, look at it. Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do. Whatever you ask in my name. What's one word that would describe what Jesus is saying here? Pray. Pray. So uh, if, uh, if you want to uh, carry out the will of this, this Christ, um, we got to have faith. we got to believe what he says. And we need to pray. And by the way, Jesus did a lot of that um, if you, if you want to follow God and serve Him, doesn't it make sense that you would talk to Him and hear from Him and find out what He wants? Doesn't that make sense? Uh, how about this in verse 15? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. What does it look like uh, to keep His commandments? What's another word for that? What's a one word for that? Obey. I mean, that's a pretty good little checklist, isn't it? Uh, we need to have faith, we need to pray, we need to obey. And to obey means to follow His will accurately. And so here's an application for your life. Uh, here's your helpful list. We need to have faith, we need to, have, we need to pray to talk to God, we need to read His Word to hear from God. That's how you hear from God, by the way. It's not just a life of going beep, 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 hoping that there's some kind of zap is going to come down to your brain. We pray to God to talk to Him. We read His Word to hear from Him. Not that He doesn't speak to our spirits, but what He's speaking to our spirits is the truth of His Word. And then we also need to obey God's will with accuracy. Well, this is going to be a very pointed application. Uh, you know, a lot of unrighteousness in a person um, is masked by what appears to be simply a little immaturity or simply a part of the process of growing in the faith or someone who is oblivious to the world around them. Or how about this, like, you know, especially in a young person or a young convert, you'll go, they just don't get it. 
yet. They just don't get it yet. They're not, they haven't quite gotten it yet. And so we, we, a lot of unrighteousness is masked by those kinds of things. And let me try to illustrate that. Um, I spent a lot of time in a supermarket. All right, so cooking for man cake or just cooking in general. If I'm cooking a big, big special dinner for somebody, I go to four stores. I, gotta, I go to all of them because each of them has a separate little, you know what I'm talking about? You know, they don't all have the stuff you need. Um, and so I spend a lot of time in the supermarket. And I mean every single time. There's that person that's got the cart right in the middle of the aisle. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, they're just parked in the middle of the aisle just going, brr, 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 brr. they're looking at the stovetop stuffing, you know, just hypnotized. And, you know, there's a granny trying to get through on her walker, and there's some dude in a hurry, and then there's me in a hurry with a big cart full of stuff, and then there's a, a mom with three little kids in tow, and she's trying to keep them together, and they're all trying to get past this person that's just plop down in the middle of the aisle. And, you know, you know you, uh, initially you go, oh, that person's just not paying attention. They're not paying attention. Um, uh, bless their heart. They haven't gotten it yet, you know. Bless their heart. They're just in the middle of the aisle there, and they just don't know any better than to be in the middle of the aisle. That, that's kind of true, probably. A lot of the times, they're just not paying attention to it, you know. We've all done it from time to time. They're just probably just not paying attention. But you know, when you really strip away everything, they're selfish. They don't care about the mom with the three kids. They're not even paying attention to granny trying to get through on a walker. They're not even looking at, to them. Their little situation is the most important thing in the world, and they're totally lost in it. There's selfishness behind it. And what I'm saying to you is in the Christian life, um, we need to examine our souls because I, tend to, I, I, t- I think that we tend to go, well, you know, uh, I'm just kind of, it's part of the process of sanctification. It is. I just haven't quite gotten it yet. I haven't quite gotten it yet. Um, I'm spiritually mature in many ways. Yes, uh, that is all true. But you know, when you strip all that stuff away, you're either obedient or you're not obedient. <laughs> You're either paying attention to the stuff that God really loves or you're not. Just kind of like it's the same thing in your marriages. You're either paying attention to uh, the stuff that is very important to your spouse or you're not paying attention to those things. And it's not that just, oh, I just haven't figured it out yet. You either love them deeply or you love them poorly. Uh, I think that's the point here. That, that's the application of your life. I said it was a pointed application. All right, uh, last point. Why it's all possible. Um, it's this. I love this last little thing that Jesus says. There's so much in this verse. Truly, truly, I say to you, verse 12, whoever believes in me, all saints, will also do the works, salvation things, that I do, and greater works uh, than these will he do because I am going to the Father. That's the Why? Now, let me ask you a question. When Jesus says all the stuff is going to happen because I am going to the Father, what does he mean by that? What do you think he means by because I am going to the Father? What is he, I'm asking you, what do you think he means? What? Huh? He's going to be there what? Advocate. That's good. That's, yeah, that's good. We'll take it. Good part of the answer. What else? He's going to leave. What happens when he leaves? Is it the right hand of the Father? That's right. But something else happens when he leaves. The Holy Spirit comes. 
He sends the helper. In fact, in verse 26, skip ahead to uh, verse 26 of this chapter. Uh, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you, and all, teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I have said. So Jesus leaves, the Holy Spirit comes, that's the why, that's what he's saying. You're going to do greater works, salvation works, um, gospel furtherance works, and it's going to be possible because I'm leaving and the Holy Spirit has come. Don't turn because we're, 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 we're out of time, but let me just jump ahead um, to, to the book of Acts. Listen, this is the very beginning of the book of Acts. This is awesome. Uh, Acts chapter 1, Jesus is, is he's resurrected, he's made appearances to these people, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That is the last thing Jesus says before he ascends and goes to be with the Father. It's the last thing. He says, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Last thing he tells him. Well, guess what? Stephen is stoned. And after Stephen is stoned, in chapter 8 of Acts, it says this. There arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Does that sound like somebody's in charge? And it's because the Spirit has come, and, and, and the church has been blown open. Now, I want to show you one quick thing. We're almost done. When I show this, don't, don't get too dazzled. Don't get too dazzled because a lot of this is completely unverified, all right? Uh, some of this is, some of this is um, you know, old information. Some of this is lore, uh, perhaps. Um, the, the only thing we're sure of is uh, James the Elder. James the Elder is, uh, is um, uh, killed um, by Herod in Acts chapter 12, probably beheading, but uh, we don't know for sure. But James the elder is, is the first martyred disciple. Uh, in, 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 so, but aside from them, th- these are just, this is, this is what uh, history kind of has, has, has hung on to, that the 12 disciples die. I mean, crucified an extra, flayed alive with knives. How do you like that? that that's fun. Um, how about, um, oh, even Paul. I mean, he goes through 30 years of ministry and he gets martyred too. Um, Philip, they hang him. Uh, Thomas killed with a spear, uh, and so on. So, uh, John's the only one who died of natural causes. The writer of our gospel, um, he died on the, in exile. But um, so, my point in showing you these things, the, these is these these the, the disciples are are mostly martyred. Here's what I want to show you. Here's where. Now, the blue ones are, you know, pretty well regarded, and the yellow ones have question marks that it happened. In fact, Simon the Zealot has four potential places where he might, everybody's like, yeah, he was killed here. No, he was killed here. He was killed here. Um, but my point is this. Look at the map. Look how far south it goes, Ethiopia. Look how it, on the other side of India, then into Europe, then way north. Is that not something? That's just in the lifetimes of the, of the disciples. 
the apostles. The gospel gets blown open, and now where is the gospel, ladies and gentlemen? Almost to the ends of the earth. I mean, there's some unreached people groups, but I mean, the gospel is almost to the end of the earth. My point is that it is the ministry of Jesus through you. The ministry of Jesus through you is impacting the world. Uh, That's the teaching of this passage. Um, When Jesus says, truly, truly, um, if you believe in me, uh, you're going to do great stuff and even greater stuff than me. He's not saying more fantastic miracles like raising the dead. He's saying that the gospel uh, spread is being maximized by the presence of the church as salt and light in the fallen world. Let us pray. Lord, uh, what we desire is to be obedient to you. We mask uh, so much of our uh, love of sin by, um, by just discounting it as um, a lack of paying attention or um, uh, being oblivious or having blind spots and, and all that stuff. But the reality is, Lord, um, we, we who believe in you, we who believe you, um, want to be uh, tools used by you faithfully and accurately for a desired outcome, which is the spreading of the gospel to a lost and hurting world. So might you fill up the Lamb's book of life? Might you do it because you're king? Might you do it because we're enabled in the power of the Holy Spirit? And might in that process our love for you deepen? And might that be shown by the way we obey you? We pray it in your name, O Christ. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you. See you next week.